started off this night, I always like to kind of maybe like bring it more to life in, in kind of a, a lens for you to think about. Today I was outside shoveling because it's an awesome sunny day. It's like, yeah, get outside and do something. I'm not totally the active type who's like, yeah, I want to skin up that thing. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, it's sunny outside. I just want to get outside and walk around. And I was like, oh, I'm going to shovel because my whole driveway is this sloshy, gross mess. And now it's just black asphalt. It's awesome. But I get out there, and my phone rings, and it's a number I don't recognize. Now, who here silences that phone call and says, nah, not worth my time? Who? Hey, show of hands. Absolutely. Just curious. All right. I mean, I have no clue where this call is coming from. Like, I don't even recognize it. And so then it shows up, and so I answer it. And I do my thing, which is I don't say anything yeah. for like two seconds. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because we all know those things that are prompted to hear a voice and say something. So, like, I'm just silent. And then I hear, hello? And I was like, oh, it's a person. And I was like, hey, uh, yeah, what's up? And she goes, is this Phil Gallagher? And I said, yes, it is. And she goes, who works with Remax? And I said, no, I don't. I'm, I'm out of the real estate gig. It wasn't for me. Like, I can't do that. She goes, oh, well, that doesn't matter. I was like, well, who are you? What is this about? And she goes, so I am Jean, and I live in New Jersey, and I work for a real estate broker who is not a REMAX broker. And I just wanted to know, did you ever advertise with this company called Tablio? And I said, yes, I did. And it was the bane of my existence for like a year because they took a lot of my money and said they were going to do something and never did it. And she goes, okay. She's like, I'm calling you because I paid these guys $1,000 to like take my information and put it on an iPad-esque device on tables at a restaurant in my local community. And it took them like four or six months to say that they were going to do it. And then I went to the restaurant this summer, and the restaurant didn't have these devices. It doesn't exist. And I've been going round and round and beating myself up, like talking with these people about, like, can I get my money back? And she's like, so what is your story? And I'm like, well, second, hang on. How did you get my name and number? Like, what in the world? She's like, you were the artwork they showed me as someone who this successfully worked for. <laughs> oh, my God. So your name's on here. She's like, they showed me, like, four different pieces of artwork, and yours was the best. But, like, because I created that, you know, but um, I'm like, and I sent in my artwork and did everything, and I'm like, so you just randomly call the number, and I'm like, this is so crazy, because I went round and round and, like, had to research different phone numbers, got up with this company in Ontario, Canada, and, like, told these guys I demanded a refund, and eventually got my refund. But they were selling, like, spaces at the Dredge restaurant, you know, here in town. And eventually, Ann and I, I said, babe, why don't we walk down there and see if the dredge actually has these devices or even has a deal in the works. We walk in there, we talk with the owner, they're like, no. Like, we wouldn't put those on tables, are you kidding me? And I'm like, all right. So, I guess this isn't happening. Anyway, so we bond and connect for like, I don't know, 25, 28 minutes on the phone. We're laughing, we're just talking it up. Like, we're feeling each other's pain. Like, it was so funny that she finally, we wrap everything up, and she's like, well, 
I'm going to keep you posted <laughs> on what happens here. Because I, you got your money back. She's like, it's been a year now for me, and I can't, I can't get my money. I, I don't know what's up. It's $1,000. It's not going to sink me, but it's the principal. And I said, absolutely. I can't wait to hear what happens for you next. And I kind of like helped her brainstorm a couple of things she could do. I don't have any of that information anymore. No numbers, no names, anything. Threw it all away. I probably burned it and danced around. But like, um, it was one of those moments where like, here I am connecting with Jean in New Jersey. And the only thing that we have going for us is the felt pain and disappointment and loss and story. And before the phone call was over, we felt like friends. And we were cracking up and just laughing together. More to life is about the shared struggle, the shared joy, the shared experience. It's the story that connects us. It's the ability for, like, younger, older, like, this stage of life, this stage of life, to share experiences and to share insight and for us to learn from one another. Because so many times in school you grow up and everybody's spoon-feeding you everything and handing it to you and they put it in a textbook and then you get out and you enter this thing called life and you're like, oh my God, what do I do now? And then you enter all of these circumstances and the context and you're like, how do I navigate this though? Nobody ever told me about this. Man, that's where we all start trying to connect a little bit and sharing our stories and learning from one another and hearing those perspectives. So, keep that lens in mind. Hopefully this is one of those living classrooms where you can come back and back and back and back to whenever you need it, whenever you need it, whenever you need that little encouragement, push, nudge, whatever that might be. So tonight, I've invited a guest speaker, someone who says they want to get better at public speaking, and I already think she's pretty good. I think she's pretty interesting. She's a Sky alum. I've known her since she was like a student in school learning, and we took several adventures together with Summit County Youth. I know she's really passionate. And I know she has a huge heart. And so I'm going to let her tell more about herself and her adventures and kind of what she wants to share with you tonight. But her name is Sarah Lord. So please give her a round of applause. my favorite part. Oh, <laughs> so Sarah's got the floor now. And you guys know, like, I mean, Seinfeld kind of made it, like, public, that, like, public speaking is, like, what people prefer least in the world next to death. Um, <laughs> like, so, you know. Be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's all yours, Sarah. It's all you, yours. You do so good at introducing me. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm Sarah. Um, I've been able to be a part of this community um, since I was born. Um, so I have a lot of familiar faces around this crowd right now, of people that know me through different ways. Um, and so I'm so grateful to be up on the stage right now. Um, definitely shaking, definitely nervous, um, but I'm going to try to make my way through this. Um, but I just want to thank Phil again for letting me do this. Um, in order to get good at telling stories, you got to try to do it yourself um, and just see how it works. Um, and so. I'm up here, and so I'm going to be talking about vulnerability tonight, but before I do that, um, I want to preface a little bit on um, a trip I heard that Mortal Life is doing, um, where they're going to Costa Rica in April, and um, again, it's going to be talked about a little bit after this, but it's just a shout out to make sure you guys stay, because um, I advise everybody to go. Um, I've had the chance myself to go on some pretty incredible experiences um, to different countries. Um, I can 
say I've been to Cambodia when I was 15 and helped build um, a couple of construction projects. I went to um, Nepal by myself for seven weeks um, and worked at a women's center, worked um, at a school, and then also worked um, at a hospital where I kind of learned that I wanted to be a nurse. And I've been to Honduras because I'm in Honduras, and I recently went to Panama um, with a other nursing student and was able to create a medical clinic in a rural village that was pretty darn incredible. Um, and the last thing before I say that is just, if you decide to go on this trip, know that you're going to receive more than you give. Um, that's always something important to think about before you go into that. Um, but also before I go into vulnerability, I wanted to um, ask you guys a question. The reason why you have a piece of paper in your hand is because I want you to write a word or a phrase um, that is a time in your life where you found that vulnerability led to a positive outcome. So vulnerability led to a positive outcome. Whether it be in a relationship, um, being able to look more into your own emotion, whether it be um, like any of the above. Just take it how you like it. Right,
um, you don't have a phone that works very well, and you still don't feel like you'll ever understand this language they're speaking. So this was me in Nepal um, when I first arrived. And let me say it kind of goes with this whole definition here. I was pretty susceptible to emotional and physical harm, at least I kind of thought so. Um, and I was worried out of my mind, but um, knew I'd be there for seven weeks and slowly but surely started to make some pretty incredible, um, incredible relationship with the people around me. And I started to learn through that and many other things in my life that vulnerability is not this definition, and I'd like us to change this definition, that vulnerability in my mind is loving fiercely, understanding other people's stories and listening to them. It's letting go of control that you can't actually have yourself, and it is getting up in front of an audience and getting really scared. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's, I guess, talk a little bit more about vulnerability and what it means to you in your own lives. I am, I think that it, I think it relates to everyone, but before we do that, I want to go into how it relates to me. Again, I am going into nursing school, I'm sorry, I'm in nursing school, and I'm going into a nursing profession. And I would say that vulnerability has a lot to do with nursing. And it's, I guess I can start out with this last semester um, was my first semester of clinicals. And no amount of knowledge you learn in school um, will ever prepare you for what you see on your first couple days in clinicals. And I don't think it will truly prepare me for a lot of my career. Um, but it, um, I was able to meet a man in one of my clinicals that really taught me something incredible about vulnerability. Um, the first day that I walked into his room, he said and scoffed, um, are you going to poke me or are you going to feed me? Um, <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of both, I guess. Um, but I said, hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm going to be your nursing student today. I'll be with you for a little while. I'll be helping you through all your tasks, something like that. Um, and I was still pretty darn afraid of this guy. Um, he seemed pretty angry, and I didn't really know why, but walked out because I had lots of other things I needed to do. Um, that night when I left, um, he decompensated a lot. Um, he had pretty severe COPD, and he was at oxygen levels that are just absolutely nuts. Um, but he was doing very, very, very poorly um, in layman's terms. I'll keep it there. Um, and when I arrived in the morning, um, he I could tell that he was very weak and wasn't doing very well. And I walked in, and um, he was grumbling. And, um, but I was had a little bit more time and was able to sit with him and talk to him. And um, he started kind of telling me a little bit about how he didn't have any family that he could go back to. He didn't um, have um, really an idea of what was going to happen next. Um, he, the, the nurses had been whispering, like, should he still be, do not resuscitate. It was kind of an end of the life discussion for a lot of people in the hospital. Um, and so I, I was listening to his side of the story, and um, 
I did get pretty busy that day, and so I was rushing around and overwhelmed with other things, and there was definitely a moment of crying in a closet that happened that day, also a <laughs> different other thing, but, um, and just the overwhelming realization of what a hospital is, and the fact that me, um, I haven't been sick all that much in my life, and neither has my family, and so the hospital still kind of stays as a pretty foreign world to me, and I think, um, Often I see it more from a patient's view than I see it from a nurse that I'm supposed to be and who I'm going to become. Um, but anyways, he was, um, I was overwhelmed and I walked in and um, to his room to say kind of my final goodbyes because I knew it was my second day with him and I'd be um, gone for a little while. And he, I was, yeah, I was saying my goodbyes and he grabbed my hand and said, Sarah, you're something special. And, I mean, I hardly did anything for this guy. Like, I was there for him, but, I mean, I was a nursing student, so I can't do much. <laughs> but, anyways, so, getting pretty vulnerable up here. But <laughs> I've seen a couple times Bill cry, so it's okay. <laughs>
reveal a more authentic and true self while also be susceptible to emotional or physical harm. But I do want to thank you guys because I didn't feel attacked or harmed while I was out here. <laughs> um, I truly felt vulnerable. So thank you so much. And yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. They give you applause and everything. I don't get that. That's pretty awesome. And thank you for sharing that. Like, I don't, I've don't. i shared this story a couple of times with you guys, but when I was back in college, um, I was one of those guys who grew up in, in, in middle school and high school, kind of average at everything. So you don't really stand out um, in too many things. You know, like, and I became a really good drummer, and that's probably the one thing I excelled at. I could play the drums really well. It seemed like everybody was, like, throwing the arts to the side, and they were like, ah, screw the arts. And then, oh, here's this kid, he's a drummer, and he can play any beat you give him. Oh, that's awesome. So I got kind of noticed in high school for that. But everything else was just average. And I found myself spending a lot of time with my parents and my grandparents and uh, avoiding parties and doing stuff because it just kind of seemed a little empty to me. Um, I've always been this person who's hardwired for connection. And I really want connection. And I really want this sense of community. And when I went to college, I found a group of guys, five, who none of us had brothers, we all had sisters. And for some reason, we all stumbled upon one another and connected and started meeting. And we started meeting, and we started meeting by simply sharing our stories. We were like, well, what's the best way? We're all meeting each other at like 18 years old. And what's the best way for us to really connect? Well, let's meet once a month, and let's start off by just meeting at like 7 o'clock, and we'll just give one of us the floor, and you just get to tell your entire life story. Bring pictures, bring like whatever you want to bring, books, anything. You just get an unlimited amount of time to go, 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 and then we get to ask you a bunch of questions. That's how we started. And so our first like five or six months looked like we sat down, and one of us just told our whole story. Now, we were only 18. So, you know, we didn't have a ton of material to work with. But, like, I mean, we had some stuff, you know what I mean? And we had some questions, and it was so crazy to sit down, for me especially, like, where I grew up, like, guys didn't totally connect like this. I mean, um, you know, stereotypes exist for a reason. And, like, it just didn't happen. But then we did connect like that. And after the first one went, this is, like, how it goes, right? The first meeting was, like, two hours. The next guy that went to the meeting was like three hours. The next meeting that went was like four hours. And it was because like there was this level, the first person that had to go had to be like pretty vulnerable. It had to be like, oh my gosh, like I don't know really what to share or what not to share, but I'm here's what I'm gonna throw And then the second person, after being in the presence of that vulnerability, right, and that acceptance and that like okayness that we can talk about these things, the next person was allowed to be even more vulnerable. The third person, even more so. And on and on and on. What I love about vulnerability is that it's this kind of contagious thing. I don't think I've ever stood up in front of an audience and spoken and not been vulnerable and had a true connection with the audience. I feel like that's a necessary risk that has to be taken in order for that connection to exist. And working with students my entire life, if I didn't express the vulnerability first, 
almost like this kind of weird, contagious kind of thing that goes on between human beings. And what's great is, is that it kind of has that snowball effect, right? I mean, we call this more to life just because lurking right below the surface of all of us as human beings and our daily lives is all of this crazy potential. Crazy, untapped potential. That like when we suddenly just kind of tap into it or recognize that it's there, man, then we get to the good stuff. We get to the stuff that's right just a level deeper, and then you just kind of keep going. Now, it's years, years, decades, I don't know, before the whole Me Too movement. Someone coined the, the phrase that said, two most powerful world, two most powerful words in the entire human English, our language, like Me Too. It's that vulnerability aspect when you connect with another person. Is Gene calling me up on the phone and me saying, oh my God, me too. <laughs> like, that happened to me. That happened to you. Oh. Instantaneous connection. Now, vulnerability can look lots of different ways, too. So I don't just want to leave you with, like, kind of, like, one image or, or maybe even two. But I want you to get that vulnerability could look like, um, I mean, shoot, it could be, like, you meeting, meeting someone for lunch. that you're willing to express in a certain context with, with another human being. It could be filling out one of those good vibe cards back there. I mean, that could literally be it. It could be you expressing, like, in a really, really low moment and reaching out to somebody, making a phone call, making a text, taking that, like, extra little step to share your low moment. Sarah? I forgot I had a huge part of my speech I wanted to go into, and it has something to do with what you're talking about. Get up about. here. Well, no, like, it's, it's, it's something small, but it's the idea of a huge... She's like, long before I'm here, I like this in my heart. Go, go, go. We're all listening. No, again, it's just that, again, vulnerability doesn't have to look from one view or one person, and I, I think it's important that, you know, I, coming into this speech, thought I was going to talk a little bit more about compassion fatigue and the problems with that, um, but I am... 21-year-old passionate person who's like about to go into a field that I'm super excited about and so my vulnerability is going to look very different than say the vulnerability of people around me that I see and so it wasn't a story that I really felt like I could share um, but I do think that like vulnerability is something that we can use in our lives in so many different ways when we are feeling burnt out or when we are feeling fatigued in any sort of way with the emotions that we feel in life or like just the shit of life um, and you can use vulnerability to kind of bring back the understanding that we're all on the same page about human connection so yeah 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 i mean vulnerability can look so many different ways yeah. i mean i know we say it all the time but half of the battle these days is showing up somewhere um i think our homes are really comfortable and we've got a lot of things that are at our fingertips and at our command within our households. Like, I can watch whatever I want to on Netflix. I can, like, go to my refrigerator. I can make my drink. I can hang out with my blanket on my couch. I can do whatever I want to do. And, like, showing up somewhere is hard. It takes a lot of effort sometimes. If you at all deal with any kind of like anxiety, stress, fear, depression, like it's even harder to like brush your teeth and go out the door. 
So like showing up might be that whole vulnerable space for you. It takes everything you can muster just to get out the door and show up to a place like this. Right? I also think it's hard because vulnerability, a lot of people could have an easy, not easy, a positive outcome like you said. Mm -hmm. But there's a ton out there where sometimes when you're vulnerable, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, that happens. You have more stories like that. So, you know. You have more baggage. It's harder. <laughs> and it's not necessarily something you could have controlled. It's that same vulnerability. It's someone else's reaction to it. I told a story a while ago that was about Silas buying a new car. Because Silas went and bought a car, and he spent like $3,000 on it, and he drove it around for six days, and on day number six, the car blows up and is worthless, and the engine's done, right? And what was so great about this was that we bought it from a friend, friend's like father-in-law. So I get the dad task of calling this guy up, being like, hey, so... You know that car my kid bought off? Yeah, yeah, how's it going? I still get it. You know, uh, the car's done, man. The car blew up. Over. Six days. Mm. You know? It's a bummer. Yeah. So, uh, you want to give us our money back? Or? <laughs> you know what I mean? It brought you that conversation. So, and he's like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to give you, I definitely want to give you your, yes, let's figure this out. Like, Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, over the course of the week, we figured this whole thing out. And here's what like, I walked away from this story saying. I'm so glad that my 16-year-old son had that experience. Because we are very experiential creatures, and we learn a ton by experience. And we tend to reflect and mirror the same things that happened to us. Right? Like, so had he not given him his money back, Silas would have moved forward with this story that taught him a lot, right? And several of you, some of you, not several of you, most of you were thinking like, thank God the guy gave me, some of you were like, eh, I don't know, I should have had some tough love or something. <laughs> he needed that story. No. Like, now, when he's older and he sells a car to a 16-year-old and it blows up, he's going to give them their money back. That's the way this works. That's the kind of contagious thing we want going on here. I think this is a definition because of exactly what you said. Like, our brains cling to negative stuff, right? Like, when, when you bring up the word vulnerability, I'm sure, like, the first thing that doesn't surface is all these warm, fuzzy feelings and the experiences that you wrote down that Sarah asked you to write on your card. What probably surfaced was this emotional, physical harm that you experienced at some point in time, or maybe you kind of got these negative, like, vibes, like, just, just kind of tingled. Because... That's like the definition, the prevailing definition. It's pretty lopsided. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty <laughs> biased, I think, because it should have like a big or here, you know? Or we could even lead with the positive. I mean, susceptible to emotional, physical, tech, or harm, or the potential to open you up to the best, deepest connection you've ever had in your entire life. Do. On the flip side of this coin, if you're never vulnerable, how deep can your relationships go? How much can you really experience the joy of another human being? Like, if you cut yourself off from that, 
if you hold yourself back, if you're unwilling to take the courage and to take the risk, what will you miss out on? Right? I mean, that sounds kind of lonely. Um, and I've definitely been there. I had an experience that I went through, and I swore after that. I was like, I am done giving to anybody ever. I'm over it. Phil the giver, Phil the smiley guy, he's done. I'm not going to like go meet people for lunch. I'm not going to call people. I'm not going to show up. I'm going to like worry about me. Isn't that what everybody does? I need some me time, and I need to care about this guy. And I'm not knocking that. It's important. Right? But you know where my head's at right now, right? Like, and so, like, I was bitter, and I was, like, jaded. And it was, like, completely from this fact of, man, I made myself vulnerable, and now I'm hurt. And there are some good lessons to be learned there. There are some people that you should never trust. There are some toxic individuals in our world. If you bumped into me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have agreed with that statement. But I 100% do now. Dumb thing. <laughs> but, as with everything, you know, like, I don't think I've ever read a book that from the first page to the last page, I was like, I'm 100% agreement with that thing. You know, that's why we always say, take it with a grain of salt. You might not like everything in there, but there's probably some good stuff. Sift through it. You know? I don't think you're supposed to be called to be vulnerable with everyone. Oof. Right? I mean, that could be a dangerous formula right there. But there are probably some people in your life who you know you could be more vulnerable with. And you know that it would benefit you. And it might be hard because of some of your past experiences. That might be the thing that you need to wrestle with, that you need to struggle with. Hey, it's 2020. It's a new year. Right? Like, think about all the ways you could grow. Think about all the things that could happen for you this year. Think about all the steps you could take, even if they're small, even if it's just showing up to that place. I was driving around just the other day, and I was thinking about, like, um, I read some quote from, from someone somewhere that said something about, like, think of all the songs and the poems and the art that we've never been able to experience because people are so afraid to like put it out there, right? So you've got that song, you've got that poem, you've got that thought, you've got that thing inside of you that you didn't create because you were so afraid to be vulnerable and what kind of like feedback you might experience or kind of rejection you might experience because it might just hurt a little too much. And I was driving around thinking about that, I'm like, that is crazy to me. Like even the best stuff that we have now, I bet the best stuff, the best, best in us hasn't been put out there. I bet it's like hiding. I bet it's lurking in people because we haven't nurtured one another enough. We haven't cared for one another enough. We haven't created that space that says you can be vulnerable and you won't experience emotional, physical attack or harm. That's what we tried to do so many times with students and like, that's what we've tried to do with this space here is like, you can do it here. Sarah, you can cry up here. Hey, no one's going to light you up for that. That's not going to happen. If anything, they're going to come give you a big hug afterwards, you know? Um, I did want to throw this out there because 
if, if any of you like listen to Sarah and you're like, man, she's a really cool girl. Like, man, she's got the whole world ahead of her. This is crazy. This is amazing. She's had some crazy experiences. Like, if you want to grab her number, her email, do that. Like, shake her hand afterwards. Let her know and, and grab that information. When I was going through college, I had this woman. I grew up in church, you know. And I had this woman who was a shut-in woman. Um, shut-in, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, like, um, she had gotten old enough and overweight enough that she couldn't leave her house. And she took my information, and while I was at school, she would send me handwritten letters. Now, she knew me as little Philip, because my dad is big Philip. <laughs> I'm taller than him and bigger than him, but whatever. Uh, but he's big Philip, I'm little Philip. She knew me as little Philip growing up, but when I went away to college, it was something else to get a letter from her like every few months, but to open it up and read it. And then for me to, like, never write her back. <laughs> I never wrote her back. But, man, every time I read one of those letters, it meant the world to me. And when I came back, um, I could actually go visit her, you know, and meet with her. And it was just something special. So I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. Like, as adults, especially, as those of us who are older, um, sometimes you're looking for, like, little random connections. I'm just trying to make you open your eyes a little bit and pay attention. Because you just had someone up here stand and share a story, and you might have had a little bit of a connection with her, and maybe you can connect past this point with her. Who knows? I also maybe. want you guys to tell your stories. I want this to be a start. I'm yeah. starting something. Yes. Not the only something. Yeah. And, yeah, Sarah was brave enough to get up here and tell a little bit about herself and take 20 minutes. When we sat down, she was like, what does 20 minutes look like? I'm like... It looks like a two-minute intro, a two-minute outro, eight outro. minutes to tell something in a story, and another eight minutes to tell something in a story. Done. Boom. Easy. Easy, easy. It would be really cool over the year 2020 if we had some of you guys. I know we've interviewed some of you up here, you know, for like 10 or 12 minutes. But maybe over the years of being in mortal life, you're like, you know what? I do have something that I'm kind of passionate about. I do have something that I would like to share. I have a piece of my story that I would be willing to stand up and talk about, Phil. That would be really cool. I could only go for five minutes. Awesome. It's great. Hit me up. Shoot me a text. Send me a little something. We're, like, really wanting this to be that kind of a space where we can learn and grow from one another. To hear it from you, right? I mean, if you wanted to write something down and you want me to read it, I'll do it. Sounds so much better coming out of your mouth, you know, with your tone and your facial gestures and all of that stuff. Now, I had a friend who used to say, um, if you haven't had your shit sandwich, it's coming. Uh, yeah, right? And it's kind of true, right? Like, I love that Sarah said we're all caregivers. really are caregivers. And every time you're in the presence of another human being, another individual, they're sitting across from you and they have their whole story going on just like you have yours. And a lot of times, all it takes is a moment of vulnerability between the two of you to form a true connection that allows those stories to kind of intersect and be told and be felt and be held in that space. And 
They're either in the middle of their sandwich or it's coming. Maybe you're in the middle of yours or it's coming. You know, but we're all kind of on that unfolding story. And what it really takes for us to get through it is a little bit of courage, a little bit of risk, and some vulnerability. It doesn't lead us to a negative space, but it actually takes us to a positive place of connection and understanding and compassion. So, with that said, it's 2020. It's a brand new year. We're looking for some of you guys to share pieces of your stories this year. We're looking for some more vulnerability to take place this year in our own lives. And I hope that your 2020 is filled with that kind of life that kind of health. Because I'm telling you what, yeah, take your vitamins, get your supplements, do your exercise, but man, this kind of health, it's priceless. It's priceless. Because it's just inside of you and then it spills out of you and it controls so much of who we are as human beings. So, with that said, we're going to thank Sarah with another round of applause. guys better grab enough, grab a Rice Krispie Treat for the road, you know, like, go ahead, drive with one hand and eat with the other, and if you're staying for the Costa Rica trip meeting, we're going to meet in here, Kent's here, so we're going to discuss a couple things, I'm going to turn on some music, before you leave though, say hey to someone, introduce yourself, speak their name, speak your name, that kind of thing, and we will see you again in about two weeks, we don't know what the topic is. Thank you.